Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, and welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. I'm your host, Tom Bourne, and with me today is the wonderful Nicole Turnbull. Nicole, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Ah, no worries. Nicole, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your your about yourself and your journey into safety? Yeah, so my journey started way back in 2007 um, when I started working for Work Company New South Wales um, when that was a, an agency. And I've been in comms um, for almost 20 years and in work health and safety and workers' comp agencies for just over a decade of that. So I've worked for both work health and safety regulators in New South Wales, um, so WorkCover and the mining safety regulator, and also the workers' comp insurer and the independent review office. And in there, I actually had some of the best times. I created some absolutely amazing programs, including the world first Paralympic mentoring program. Um, I managed, you know, major awards programs, events and sponsorship, including, um, you know, Sargold and Coleroy. And I got to work with some of the best humans that I've ever met. But I also experienced some of the worst times of my life in these agencies. I, I witnessed and experienced bullying, sexual harassment, discrimination, and mental health stigma at the hands of the agencies meant to regulate these issues. So in 2019, I started Neon Shed. Okay. It's a great name, Neon Shed. What's it about? So Neon Shed makes tough communications easy and brings light to the dark sides of work. Um, so I found that there's seven dark sides of work that can bring individuals, teams, organizations, and even industries down. So they are bullying and sexual harassment, discrimination, mental health stigma, office politics, poor leadership, profit before people, the community, or the environment, and we can't forget the systems and structures that allow it to happen. <laughs> so I witnessed and experienced all of the dark sides of work in these agencies. And 
they're responsible for telling employers and workers what to do when it comes to physical and psychological safety. But I found the how was missing. So if you've got a workplace grievance or problem, we're told to talk to to the person if you can, uh, look at your policy, talk to your manager or report it to HR. And most of us have tried these things and sometimes they work, but sometimes they don't. But how do any of these things help? Or how are you supposed to do these things? How do you ask the perpetrator to stop? When when we experience or witness sexual harassment or bullying at work, we go into a fight, flight, freeze, and our brains and our bodies literally stop functioning effectively. So if you're a victim, how do you do that? What do you say? Um, how do you stop it in your team if it happens uh, and you're the manager? We, we're just not given the tools to appropriately manage these things. So my focus and expertise in Neon Shed is on bullying and sexual harassment. And what I do there is I provide employers, managers, HR, work health and safety, and workers who witness and experience these issues with the how, how to prevent and manage these issues, how to eliminate them, and how to repair the harm where they can. Um, I also show witnesses and targets how to take back their power and their right to a safe workplace. So I provide um, what I call courage continuums. So there's one for allies and there's one for targets and they're things that people can do or say in the moment or afterwards, depending on their level of confidence and the time. So yeah, it's really those, those how tools and delving into the tough communications that people avoid or they sweep under the rug because they're too awkward and uncomfortable and we're just not shown how to do. So hmm. yeah, that's Neon Shed. Okay. Uh, look, those conversations have to be had, but I'm just wondering, you know, when you're talking about giving people tools to manage these things, like most training, it probably should occur before an event happens and, mm. and probably not as a reactive measure. Is that, is that what, is that, is that the angle you take or do you, do you, do most employers only contact you when there's a perceived problem? Well, <laughs> um, kind of option C. Often, <laughs> often employers don't take action until it's out of their hands, it's in the media or it's gotten away. So mm-hmm. it, there's so much for employers to think about and do and to, and to manage. Like we're often so busy. I mean, you know, through COVID, um, we've got more busy, not less busy. And these things go by the wayside until something comes up. So um, I often see, you know, people do the regular training, the annual training, um, but again, they don't share the tools as to how to stop these things. They show what bullying and sexual harassment are, what they're not, um, you know, the things we were talking about earlier, look at the policy, talk to your manager, you know, those sort of things. Um, but there's no real prevention tools. There's no real, this is what you can do if it happens. This is what you can do to stop it if it happens in your team. So it becomes an issue when it is happening. And because bullying is, you know, prolonged, it, it is when the culture has a huge issue and it's then too almost too late. There are ways to, you know, um, build back relationships and trust, but often at that time it is too late. So we need to get into the real prevention strategies. So if you're not doing training, you definitely need to jump into that. 
but the training that you need to ha- that needs to happen does need to be actionable it needs to have consequences it needs to have an understanding of how to stop it and not just for hr or managers for individuals to take back their power themselves as well so yeah it's often not that preventative stage because people don't think about it until it's happened yeah, yeah no that's that's fair enough i just i just I just wish it was a bit more um, because, yeah, uh, anyhow. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go down there because it sounds really depressing. I just, you know, I want people to be safe at work. I don't want people to have to turn up and go, what sort of rubbish am I putting up with today? Um, yes. Or, or, or feeling bad about just going to work, you know? That's right. And and it is part of a, a manager's and an employer's work health and safety responsibilities to provide a safe workplace. So hopefully, you know, conversations like this and legislation changes that have just happened in sexual harassment will encourage them to do more preventative approaches. Um, but often, they, as I said, they're too busy and it's difficult to have to do everything yourself. So that's where, you know, someone like me can come in and help. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Uh, you mentioned the Seven Dark Sides of Work Summit. Uh, it looks amazing. It starts on um, the 17th of October, goes through the 28th, 30 speakers. Did you put this together yourself? I did. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, 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 that's huge. It is. It is. And, again, it's all about the how. So, yeah, it's a virtual summit because, you know, we are virtually dispersed now. We are able to do so much more. Um, I wanted to launch it in Safe Work Month, in Mental Health Month and bullying, International Bullying Awareness Week, which starts on the 16th of October. Um, but it is something that's available um, ongoing. So it, while I'm launching it in October, it will be available, you know, forever and a day. But the reason I developed it is to help individuals and organisations prevent those dark sides of work, but also manage and eliminate these issues and share real solutions and value that empower people to make real change. Now, I'm not the expert on all the dark sides of work or their solutions, so that's what I wanted to do is invite 29 amazing speakers to share their insights, their experience, and their knowledge on how to make real change and improvements in these areas. Um, I also, as I said, I've, I've witnessed and experienced all the dark sides of work in my career. And I actually burnt out completely after 12 months of working 12 hour days, no lunch breaks, working weekends to try and stay on top. And also on top of that, experiencing bullying from within my team, um, and also from my manager. So after 12 months, my body and mind just said, that's enough, um, <laughs> So I've also included experts to help with recovery from burnout and trauma and also um, self-care because that's often what goes missing when we're dealing with those issues. So, yeah, I am so grateful for all the speakers, for their time and their insights, sorry, and the value that they provide. Um, And, yeah, as I said, it's definitely available after October if anyone wants to jump on and check it out. I can can tell you now, and I'm... I try and get uh, people guests appear on the show and sometimes it's like pulling teeth. So I think you've done amazing just to get that many speakers together. But the thing that impresses me most is you're talking about solutions that actually do something. It's not just a compliance ticking box to lower your insurance or to meet a legal obligation. You're talking about actually, you know, 
helping people uh, get repaired. Yes. Yeah, I like the take back the power thing because that's uh, it's one of those things that tends to happen in sexual harassment. You feel like you're powerless. So, mm. Mm, yeah, um, interesting court case going on at the moment, but uh, we shouldn't speak about that at the moment. <laughs> so instead, let's move on to is is there any statistics around the, the prevalence of sexual harassment in the workplace? And is it as bad as some people make it out to be? There's lots of statistics. So if you have a look in your um, industry association or the employer group, um, a lot of them do, you know, the, the general statistics. Um, the Australian Human Rights Commission, they also do a survey every five or six years. And in 2012, one in five people had experienced sexual harassment at work. But in 2018, it went to one in three. So, um, and if you look on LinkedIn any other day, you can see something else coming out <laughs> in the yeah. media or an association saying that this is what they're going to do to, to fight that and stop that. Um, but just one of the examples in the Australian Human Rights Commission survey is 81% of people in the telco and media industry have been sexually harassed in the five years leading up to 2018. So if you're in a team of 10, less than two of you will not be sexually harassed. That's, um, that's, that's appalling. It is. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's sexual jokes. It's innuendo. It's part of our, the Australian culture. It's part of some, you know, male dominated industries. They have been male dominated for such a long time. So things that have been considered okay in the past um are not okay now so you know with the times up me too movement there's been a lot of exposure a lot of awareness of things that are happening that are normally swept under the rug um so uh, yeah i i you know think you were talking about the issue that happened in parliament house um mm -hmm. it's 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 happening and unfortunately it's not just the jokes it's not just um you know the the comments the 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 images the pictures which are all horrific in themselves it is also looking at sexual assault it's it's rape it's it's horrific so if you don't know if it's happening in your workplace or not you need to ask um and often people know the issues if you go into any organization and say hey who sexually harasses here or who's the bully you mm -hmm. often get a pretty clear picture. So it'd have to take someone, um, you know, not in the office or not listening or not hearing what's going on in their organisation to not know. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really important, especially when it comes to sexual harassment. It's really important to know because if you don't do something about it, you need to be proactive and prevent these things now as part of legislation. But if you don't do something about it and someone reports it to you, you're actually liable for not only the actions of the perpetrator but the harm caused as well. So, yeah. It could be a quite expensive exercise, but, but let's be honest, you shouldn't do it because of the compliance or legal reasons. You should do it because it's a decent human being thing yes. to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm blown away by those figures. Yeah. Um, from my experience and from talking to a few HR professionals, I'll, just, I'll leave that for a second. I'll just come back to that in a second. Look, uh, we, we talk about, you talked about earlier there just about 
people, lewd jokes, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I'm a male, so I have a slightly different perspective than probably um, the females who are listening. But I always think it just comes down to just being bloody professional. You yes. go to work to do your job. Yes. And, you know, no offence, you can believe whatever you want, you can do whatever you want in your own time in your own house, yes. but but at work you're professional. And I, so I, I don't understand how things escalate to that stage and that oh, it's just like hmm. yeah, a bit beyond me. Maybe I'm a bit boring on that, but it's just... Uh, I, I... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'd rather be boring and mm. be professional than, um, yeah, to send in a well, path. A good way to look at it is work is not a place for anything sexual, full stop. Like no jokes, no no nothing. Like it, it doesn't mean you can't have fun. It doesn't mean, you know, you can't have a laugh and, and muck around, but it's it's not anything sexual. And, and feel the room. Look at who you're talking to. Understand your colleagues. Build relationships. Build trust. Sexual harassment is anything that makes someone feel intimidated offended or humiliated sexually at work so they're pretty strong words um and it'd have to be someone with pretty poor people skills not to realize what they're doing or saying is offending someone so yeah, yeah. be be uh, professional does it do you reckon it starts when we, we we sort of have a fairly blurry line of what's acceptable and then it slowly move the line moves and moves and moves to accommodate uh Poorer and poorer behaviour. Yeah, it's it's when it's when behaviours and expectations aren't managed up front. So when pe- new people come into the organisation, that is a perfect time to set and manage expectations. So you should have an actionable <clears throat> um, zero tolerance policy, and you should have a grievance handling policy and procedure that lists and details exactly what sexual harassment is and isn't. Um, and what the consequences of any behaviours or actions um, will occur. And you need to be able to support people when they make a complaint as well. So you need the policies, you need the training upfront too, and it needs to be training that gives people the tools to be able to stop it themselves, whether they're a target, target, whether they're a witness. And also, um, so obviously I provide all these things in my training, but I also profile the perpetrator. So what a typical perpetrator would look like, um, what a perpetrator does, um, and I basically tell the perpetrator to cut it out. So if they're doing any of these actions, 
-hmm. I share the legislation. I share their rights and responsibilities on everyone's behalf. Um, And having that set and managed up front helps you manage behaviours ongoing. So if you do have a culture of, you know, sexual jokes um, or a culture of, you know, inappropriate behaviours, any time is a good time to draw the line and start again. So you may want to implement and develop um, a new policy. So get people involved, get them involved in the training and have that as the line to say, okay, that might have been whatever it is in the past, but this is what we're doing moving forward. This is what sexual harassment is. This is the behaviour that we will not tolerate and accept. And this is what will happen if it happens in our team or organisation. Good. Um, Now I'm going back to that question. All right. (laughs) Speaking of... Uh, human resources professionals in the past and uh, looking from very much the outside's perspective, I'd suggest that harassment and bullying are some of the hardest issues to deal with for um, management and human resources because from the outside it looks like they have to pick a winner and a loser in any of those situations. Is that what it's like in reality, though? Look, it is, it is difficult because it's not treated like a physical injury. So it's not looked at with the harm as the, the thing that's happened. People's emotions get involved. The organisation and the perpetrator or the manager, they get defensive. So it, it becomes a he said, he said, she said, instead of just a this is what's happened and this is how we resolve it. Often the perpetrator said, well, no, they lied or I didn't mean to or it's not my fault because X, Y, Z. And then the victim has to prove it. So it is a, yeah, you you did or you didn't and you prove it or you don't. Um, or as we were talking about earlier, you know, it's dismissed as not an issue. So don't take any notice of that person because that's just, they oh, react, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Well, yeah, depends on whether you're looking at the victim or I think it's exactly, it's, yeah, it, it's that person they're setting their ways if they're the perpetrator, or it's like, oh, they're a bit hysterical, they're a bit of they're a bit, bit of a, a wilting flower and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> I know it, it's all these excuses that go around it, and it's not just here's what happened and here's the solution. How do we make sure it doesn't happen again? It's um, the majority of these instances are true, there is no you know, oh, I apologise, sorry that won't happen again, let's, you know, fix it to make sure that, you know, we prevent this in the future. But if you look at it from the flip side, how many times have you heard, you know, I reported sexual harassment to HR or my manager, I, you know, had to go through the workers' comp system or the legal system or um, whatever it may be, and it was great, it was amazing, it was helpful, it was fast. Zero. I can tell you now, (laughs) zero. I know, right? And that's what we we want it to be. That's what it is in in most cases for physical injuries. Um, but if you're a victim of bullying and harassment, it can feel like you're on your own. And for me, um, on a few occasions, because I've been a you know an executive, I've been a manager, and I've also been a victim. Um, in one instance, HR support was actually taken away from me because I had a personal relationship with them. I'd worked with them for 10 years. So we obviously knew each other and they were helping me through the issue, but that was taken away because of that. No support, additional support was provided. Um, in another instance, I was told by HR that they, that they can't do anything because they didn't want to make a formal complaint. 
Um, and we do need to remember that HR work for the organization. They don't work for the individual. So sure. um, I there's a really thought-provoking podcast on the Psych Health and Safety podcast with Joelle Mitchell and Dr. Rebecca um her last name escapes me at the moment and I highly recommend listening to that because that's all about you know HR and that um dynamic mm-hmm. but yeah the victim is really it does feel like you have to prove it um with sexual harassment though it's a one-off instance so if it happens once it's it's illegal yes and uh, it th- doesn't sorry okay. no keep going it doesn't have to be directed at the person so if someone witnesses sexually harassing behavior it can trigger you know past traumas and it can you know trigger issues in them so bullying harassment is repeated behavior and is often based on perception not the harm caused um evelyn field who is part of the summit as well has done some amazing work and research around looking at the harm not the action so she talks about um, if you slipped over on a banana peel and you broke your hip, we don't look at the banana peel and say, is this banana peel right? Was it there? Did it happen? We look at the broken hip. But when it comes to bullying, we look at, oh, okay, what actually happened? Did it really happen? Did it happen that many times? Was it reasonable management action? And she talks about we should be looking at the harm. Uh, amazing research there. So yeah. Um, sexual harassment. Uh, it's one of those curious things I find uh, seen by a lot of people to be a human resources issue. Um, for me, I always wonder, is it a safety matter because it's about safety in the workplace? Or should we just actually just look at it as straight out? It's a criminal act. This needs to go to the police. Look, it it does depend on what it is, um, but it is definitely a HR manager. It is definitely a safety matter, but it can also be a cultural issue. And that could be for the industry, for the workplace or society. Um, It's also a values issue. And if you have sexual harassment at work, you don't have psychological or physical safety. So it can be small actions that are verbal. And the majority of sexual harassment is actually nonverbal. Sorry, it is not physical. Yeah. Um, 80%, I think it is, is not physical. So, but some actions are considered sexual assault and any violence or anything physical should be reported to the police immediately. Yeah, agreed. Having worked with um, some people that uh, had been convicted of some nasty stuff in the past, I agree. Yeah. Look, mm. and anything with violence has to go to the police. Yep. Okay, so I'm the owner of a small or medium business. I'm snowed under. I've gotten virtually not an, well, I've got no virtually no staff because yep. COVID and the fact that we're having is uh, staff shortages across the board. Mm. Want to keep on top of my legal obligations to protect my staff staff maintain a safe workplace how can you help me firstly i have to say i'm not a lawyer (laughs) i i have lawyer friends and i always have to make sure that i say that up front but there are multiple work health and safety obligations that employers need to understand and meet and as you said there's so much to know and do as a business owner but the main thing is they have to keep focus on keeping their doors open and paying the bills and supporting their family and their staff 
But if things like bullying and sexual harassment happen, it can drain all of their time, their energy, and can cost them in terms of staff turnover, complaints, legal fees, advice, workers' comp claims. They need to have the right tools. Um, and it go, all goes back to knowing the how. So as I said, that's that's what I can help them do. So knowing um, the law and their legal responsibilities. So as we are talking about before, knowing that if they don't do anything, that they're liable for the actions and the harm caused. But also knowing that sexual harassment is now a sackable offence. And so if it happens, um, it, it it can be a dismissible um that they can dismiss someone immediately. Uh, but they also need to be proactive about preventing it from happening. So we've spoken about some of those things already, how to do that. So having a, an actionable zero tolerance policy and grievance handling policy, um, they are just bits of paper, but having them and the consequences and how reports and incidents will be managed, having that all set at the outset so that everyone knows what will happen and how it will happen, how they'll be supported and how um, the consequences will be um, laid out. <laughs> uh, and also knowing what to say, how to have the com uncomfortable conversations, how to manage performance and how to repair the harm if possible. And, yeah, there's um, a management toolkit that I provide in the training. So I actually provide all of the policies, the fundamental policies that they need, um, because I don't like sharing the problems without the solutions. So I've got the fundamental policies, but I've also got training for managers and workers, um, HR and work health and safety professionals, but um, a, a separate section for workers without um, leadership responsibilities. So I, I provide a management toolkit that gives them everything that they need to know and do to make all of that stuff easier and be able to repair the harm where possible. So um, I learned this from Kerry Sellen, who provides restorative practices training. And honestly, I recommend that as um, a part of anyone's management toolkit. It helps repair the harm, restore relationships, and develop a great culture. And again, I actually interview her as part of the summit. So if you want a sneak peek as to what she can provide, definitely have a look at that. But one thing I suppose I want to leave with people is that if you don't manage it internally, you may have to manage the fallout if it goes externally. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole, you're based in the lovely uh, Hunter region. Mm -hmm. Lovely part of the world, admittedly, but we all don't live there. How can you yeah. help us if we live interstate or uh, away from the Hunter area? Yeah, so I, I'm actually all about making an impact. And while I really do love coming to organisations and providing that training and consulting face-to-face, um, -face, there's only so many hours in a day and only so many days in a year. So the training and resources I've developed are actually online and they give people the tools they need, as I've said, to prevent, manage and eliminate these issues themselves. So my vision is for a world where individuals know their rights they have the courage to demand a safe workplace and are empowered to speak up when they see the dark sides of work, but also a world where managers and employers, they know how to prevent these issues and how to stop them if they do happen and repair the harm um, where appropriate. How much better do you feel when you can fix the issue yourself instead of having to get someone like me to, to come in and help? So 
yeah, I, I definitely, like I do a touch on the legislation uh, across all Australian states and territories. Um, so I definitely recommend jump on my website and have a look at the training that I provide there because, yeah, I'm all about tooling people up so that they can do it themselves, which is a much cheaper option as well. All right, Nicole. Um, before we go, I look forward to uh, seeing some of the some of the work in Seven Dark Sides of Work Summit coming up. Otherwise, thanks very much for your time today, and I'll give you. I'll talk to you soon. Fantastic! Thanks for having me. <laughs>